read a book. I was very proud of myself. A book called Kite Runner. I don't know if y'all ever heard of Kite Runner or read the book or anything like that, but give it a little summary. It's a book about Iranian immigrants. And basically, without getting too deep into the story of the book, there was one scene that really struck me about it. Basically, about, and it was a scene with about a, a father and the main character, the, his son, trying to get and cross the border of Iran to another Middle Eastern, more, I guess, more tolerant Middle Eastern place so they could fly to America and eventually immigrate. In order for them to cross the border successfully, what their plan was to do, and they, they pulled it off, was they, they all hopped inside of an empty gasoline tanker. We've all seen these gasoline tankers on, you know, driving on the interstate or whatever. And what struck me was a dialogue that happened during that, that kind of journey. And at one point, the boy, the main character, looks to one of the neighboring kind of Muslims and says, do you think we'll be able to get there? Do you think we'll be able to make it across the border without getting caught? And the Muslim says, if Allah wills it, if God wills it, we, will, we can do anything. God will get us across. And immediately after that Muslim said that, the boy's father chimed in and said, four wheels, a driver and a motor is going to get us across. Allah has nothing to do with this. Four wheels, a driver, and a motor. Allah has nothing to do with this. And I guess that, was, that, that kind of made an impact on me because that was the first time I ever really saw or read articulated this thing that's so prevalent in our society known as practical atheism. The idea that whether there's a God or whether there isn't a God, it kind of doesn't really matter because he doesn't really have a hand in this game. Because ultimately, if all we need to really do if we want to affect reality is try and work really hard. And if we're honest, that mentality isn't just to people who don't believe in God. It doesn't exist it's just for people who are, claim agnosticism or claim to be atheists. But that mentality very often is very present in our souls, even as good practicing Catholics. Because the fact of the matter is, we live in a material world. And very often, we can often forget that God is present around us. We don't often ignore the fact that God is working with us because he doesn't have a material body right here and right now. And that's why this gospel passage is so important for you and I's spiritual life. That's why this gospel passage can kind of breathe life into us. Here in today's gospel, we have... A man by the name of Jarius. Jarius. Yeah, Jarius, I think is his name. I was just confused by this because he's a synagogue official, but his name's Jarius, so he sounds like a Roman. I don't get it, but whatever. So, a guy named Jarius. And basically, if we know anything about Jarius, is that he's a man with rank. The world looks at him and he has some kind of social status. He has money, he has power, he has authority, he has servants, he has wives, he has, he has it all. And the thing about Jarius is that according to the world, because he has rank, he doesn't really need to seek help or humiliate himself to anyone else. But what's so beautiful about this gospel passage is that he ignores that rank. And what he does is he goes to Jesus for help. He goes to Jesus asking for help. And that's not an easy thing for him to do. Because Jesus at the time was a nobody. Jesus had no synagogue, he had no Pharisees, and he had no endorsement by the Roman government. He had no money, he had no status, he had no title. He had nothing. 
And yet, Jarius was desperate enough to go and ask him for help to heal his daughter. Because Jarius recognized that he was powerless over creation. But maybe, just maybe, this itinerant preacher, this man by the name of Jesus, had some kind of power. Maybe he could actually do something to help him out. And that's what's so beautiful about this passage. And that's why you and I can learn from it. Guys, you and I are like Jarius. We live in this world. We have material, real bodies here in this world. And that can lead to a delusion that we don't need divine help. That if we need to solve a problem, if we need to accomplish something, we just got to go out and do it. And if we do it and we work hard and we try hard enough, everything will work out. But the fact of the matter is, is that doesn't take into account chaos. That doesn't take into account all the things that could possibly go wrong that are way out of our control. All the things that, we'll, that we could never ever count for, never ever plan for, because there's so much that it goes into matter and goes into just things in general that we just don't have, the, we don't have power over at all. And so, but in a sense, because of that idea that we have existence here, we can fall into this false mentality that we don't really need God. Because, I mean, let's face it, and I've heard this excuse all the time. Somebody's going through a problem. They have financial issues. Oh, hey, turn to God. What's God going to do? He ain't going to write me a check to get out of my financial problems. As a kid, I'm struggling with all this homework. Hey, why don't you turn to God? What's God going to do? He's not going to come and do my homework for me. Fair something, as much as I would have liked that. Fair, fair, fair debate, fair, fair issue. And that's the, often the issue with us, is we tend to think because God isn't here and present with us, we, there's no point in turning to him. But that's where Jarius kind of shows us is that's just not true. That whenever we turn to God, he can fill our hearts and he can give us the strength, the power, the motivation to go out and get our homework done, to work hard and pay off that, those bills. Or if those things don't work out, to at least have the perseverance and the hope to get through those trials. What Jarius points out and what Jarius shows us is that no matter what, we are called to go to God with our problems. And that is something that's so often, if you're anything like me, it's a very hard thing to do. I cannot tell you how many times I have gone to my spiritual director with all these issues and all these problems and all these pains and fortunes you'd think the world was ending and he looks at me and he says, well, have you talked to Jesus about any of this? And I said, mm, no. Very humiliating moment. And I think that's the case for many of us. We go through these problems, these issues, these, these kind of crosses, these trials, and we never, ever bring God into the picture. And that is exactly what this gospel is all about. Whether we, have, we, we feel like we're men with authority, we feel like we can conquer the world, we feel like we're on top, or whether we feel as lowly as an, a widowed woman who's hemorrhaging, has been hemorrhaging for years. What God is showing us is that he cares. And that he wants to be involved in our issues. He wants to be involved in our problems. He doesn't just want to be up here and us down here. He wants there to be no separation between the two of us. He wants to be intimately involved in our lives. And that's the challenge for me and you. Is that if we really want to grow in holiness, if we really want to grow into our relationship with our, with our God, it means bringing our mess to the Lord. It means inviting him into our problems. It means inviting him into our issues. Not keeping him at bay. Not waiting until we solve them all and then go and talk to him. But bringing him in the problems. Bringing him in the mess so that he can heal them. 
So you can heal our issues, our, our pains, our weaknesses, so that we can then be greater friends and greater, greater disciples for him. Go to the Lord with our problems. And kind of the best kind of wrap this thing up, I want to leave you off with a story. This past few, few weeks ago, I was in Indiana. And I was visiting my friend in, in, in one of his home, par- in his home parish. And this home parish is one of the most successful parishes in the Diocese of Fort Wayne. He's building a new, the pastor's building a new beautiful chapel. He's got a packed church for every mass. Things are just going his way. And, you know, like the good priest who kind of was a little bit envious of his success, I looked at him and I said, what did you do to get to this point? Like, you like, I don't know, like, I don't know, what are you, what are you doing? Like, are you like, you know, having props during your homilies or like, you know, throwing candy out during, you know, during the Our Father or something like that? Like, what, what's bringing all these people in? And what he, what he said was, what I did and what I continued to do was pray and say, Lord, Give me the people in my life that you need me to do your will. Help me, Lord, to do your will. And he continued that mantra with every single problem he tackled, every single issue he ran across in the parish. He didn't just go and say, look, I'm the priest. I know it all. I've got, I'm the expert. But instead, he turned to the Lord every single issue that came up. And in doing so and repeating that that mantra, Lord, help me to do what you want me to do. Help me to do what you will. He successfully maintained his humility. And because of that, people were attracted. People wanted to come and his parish grew and grew and grew to the point where it's one of the most successful thriving parishes in the diocese. I think this is a good example for you and I to invite the Lord into our problems and never, ever be in the situation that I'm always in in front of my spiritual director. Never be that person, that guy, who thinks the world is collapsing around them and having never ever talked to Jesus.